This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. This is Everything Elite, presented by my bookie, the world's best podcast, devoted exclusively to all elite wrestling and the elite extended universe. I'm AB. I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Mike Spears. What's up, Mike? Hey, y'all. It's your old pal, Iron Mike Spears. I'm really feeling the energy that AB brought in the intro there, so I'm going to keep it up. Uh, I am doing pretty all right here. You know, I mean, it's been a week, but you know, everyone's been through a week, but how are you doing, Big Cat? I'm doing great now. Uh, I nailed the intro, you know, so just feeling great. Uh, Nate's also here. Nate, did you also, <laughs> did you also enjoy that Mike said he was going to keep up the energy and then told us he was feeling pretty all right? <laughs> yes, really enjoyed that. Uh, right off Aaron's uh, one-shot of Finch performance there on our intro. Throws it to Mike. Mike's like, yes, I got to follow up this hot energy. I'm doing all right. The week has passed. I continue to exist. Just laying right in the cut there. Uh, just love, love the, love the interplay that we have here. Uh, very, very natural. And uh, uh, yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing fantastic. How about that? How are you? All right. You sound like you're doing fantastic. Everybody's well, I'm, got I'm lying, the energy. Obviously, but <laughs> for the sake of our fine listeners. Sure. Well, we love them. So we try to bring them some energy. Um, I'll just hit the plugs up top. Everything AEW is our Twitter account. I'm Aaron Like the Car, at Aaron Like the Car, rather. Nate's at Epitasis. Mike's at Fuji Heya. You can subscribe to the podcast by just searching Everything Elite on the podcast app of your choice. If you use the Apple Podcast app, give us a five star rating and a review, please. And of course, if you want to support the show, the best ways to do so are to go to patreon.com slash everything elite and subscribe. Uh, or head over to my bookie and use the promo code elite when you make a deposit. Um, pretty weird here. We have not done five to 10 minutes of strange banter up top, uh, but I guess I'll just go right into uh, elite or delete. There's doesn't seem to be anything else uh, going on in the world for us to discuss. So you didn't really give us a lot of oxygen to get a strange banter topic in there, um, which maybe is, is, you know, an advantageous choice on your part. Yeah, I'm just going to go with it. Something else will happen in the show that we'll, we'll go off on a tangent. So let's just go with it. We're going to talk about this week's episode of AW Dynamite. Um, I enjoyed it particularly. I'm, I'm not sure that everyone did, but I felt like uh, it was a good episode. So we'll see what everybody thought. Uh, Nate, my friend, what was your favorite thing? What was your elite pick from this episode? My elite pick, I'm going to keep it rolling from last week. Uh, the highlight of last week, of course, being the big main event between Kenny Omega and Ray Phoenix. This week, again, I think the highlight of this show was your main event match. They did Darby Allen in his first TNT title defense up against Brian Cage, as we've talked about on this show. Other than the holding pattern uh, that the addition of Sting represented uh, to this angle, the Darby Allen versus Team Taz thing has been one of the storylines that we've been 
most invested in. Uh, and these guys just were like, okay, yeah, uh, we're going to pay off that story by having Brian Cage absolutely eradicate Darby Allen in this match. Darby Allen excels at selling and really excels at doing a comeback against a larger wrestler. Uh, we've seen it with Brian Cage in the past, seen it with uh, your Walters, seen it with your Keith Lees uh, in the history of this podcast. And he did it again. They just had some fucking gnarly spots in this match. Uh, made it super, <laughs> super easy to get invested in, you know, Darby Allen fighting up from underneath and uh, eventually hoisting Brian Cage on his own petard. Maybe not on his own petard. Maybe on Taz's petard. Ho- hoisted Brian Cage on Taz's petard um, and penned him with a top rope crucifix, uh, which, of course, if you're on Twitter, uh, you may have seen that. This is a, a poetic victory for Darby and that the whole feud started here when Taz tried to give him some pointers on the crucifix. Uh, I did not notice this because I am not uh, super attentive. Uh, and the commentary did not seem to notice it either, although they did give us a pretty good video package earlier in the show to build this match up a little bit. So, yeah, just a great outing for these guys. Um, you know, Brian Cage has some detractors, but I think Brian Cage just is a big guy who doesn't leave his feet. And just power bombs people like Scott Norton is a great role for him. Uh, so yeah, this kicked ass. Yeah, when Brian Cage leans into being a dumb jock wrestler, he really like it, it. It's his idealized self. Like it's neat that he's able to do some athletics and stuff like this. But I want to see him yeeting Darby Allen from the ring through the uh, ringside table. Like that's why I want to see out of this. I want to see Darby do just ridiculous bumps and do coffin drops from the top rope onto the ringside stairs on the other side. And just this is what the best use for both of these guys. Darby is best as the underdog who clings to each match by his fingernails and try not to fall off the cliff of losing. And Brian Cage is a machine. Like, that's one thing we can say for certain that his catchphrase is accurate on. And... You know, we, we got some good blood in it, and everything played off in a way that, you know, it does not feel like that this is the end of Team Taz versus Darby and his dad, Sting, but it does feel like that this was, like, an important, like, stepping stone, especially, like, how Nate said with the video package that they also had on Road 2. It, it's some ways that they managed to trip themselves into this great storyline conclusion, in a lot of ways, going back to the... TNT title tournament initially where Cody was able to feed him through wrestling maneuvers so that that was pretty tight and all for, all in all you know I mean this was a show that had so much stuff going on with it that having a match like this that felt like a legitimate spectacle as the main event really kind of t- tied a nice bow on it and it's hard to come away with this match not being impressed yeah Darby uh, is just so good uh, at this especially because and they did a great job with the match because I definitely could have been convinced or was convinced early on that it was possible Brian Cage was just going to beat the shit out of Darby and pin him, and that was going to be the end of the match. So Darby did a great job of of selling that. And then, of course, they did, uh, you know, they found a very smart way for Darby to start his comeback. That was great. Every All the offense that Darby got, you know, made a lot of sense in the context of him wrestling a guy like Brian Cage, which was perfect. They didn't fall into the trap of like, oh, Darby just looks like someone who can't beat Brian Cage, so we're not going to do that. So that was good. I, I didn't love the 
I mean, I loved the finish finish because, yeah, you have the, the crucifix uh, callback. But I didn't love the like Ricky Sarks kind of gets involved and then Sting comes, you know, the, the lights go out and Sting comes out. No snow for Sting just for entering, which I thought was disappointing. But it's like Darby's already up there with him. You can already kind of fall into this uh, this crucifix bomb here and win. But I know they've got this whole other thing going on with that. And we're leading to. Uh, you know, some big match where uh, where Sting, I'm sure, is involved. So I get that, but the match itself would have been uh, slightly better if they just done a, a regular finish. Yeah, I guess that didn't bother me just because it was like, oh, hey, Sting's got to do something physical now. That's actually like a step forward and not just doing the same thing. So it also it benefited, I think, from being a taped show. So it wasn't like we had to wait around for the lights to come back on for, you know, 45 seconds. It was like lights out. Lights on their sting, which uh, made it go down smoother, I think. All right. Uh, Mike, your elite pick from this week. So I thought overall there were some things that I'll get into later that I wasn't probably as high on as the most of people. But one thing that I came into the show with a little bit of trepidation just to see how it would translate, but ended up just knocking out of the park was the dynamite debut of the waiting room with dr Britt baker dmd her assistant rebel and special guest cody rhodes just across the board this was this has become one of the best things on dark that they've managed to kind of do a talk show in a way that really brings out the humor and the charisma both of Britt and rebel and even though it's kind of funny that I think it's funny because like the reference, but the idea that Rebels doing Ed McMahon laughs in 2021 is kind of wild to think about. Like that's a reference like that is at least 35 years old. But you had Cody with the sparklers, and then all of the different, and then uh, Jade Cargill coming out, and finally, kind of, I guess we're we're out of this place of what is Cody going to be doing now, which is something that kind of looms large whenever he's not in the program is what's up with Cody Rhodes. And then uh, Red Velvet gets a larger role, uh, a really decent pull part there. And then, of course, uh, Thunder Rosa from her COVID bunker uh, challenging Britt Baker to beach break. So I thought like that this was a segment that could have failed and it could have been really awkward. And I think these talk show segments have a, such a high level of difficulty that most pro wrestling talk show segments suck but this one came off as like a really nice highlight on a show that not all the angles and the out of ring stuff was actually paying off and i thought like that this was by far the best uh non-wrestling segment on the show yeah i liked it uh i think the success of of this segment and of the segment in general is mostly that just that Britt baker is really entertaining to watch uh and really funny um and you know gets to show her personality in these i do i wonder if i had to guess i think rebel doing the ed mcmahon laughs i th- I feel like that's not straight from ed mcmahon my guess is tony likes larry sanders show uh and so she's doing ed mcmahon by way of hank kingsley that i just i just feel like larry sanders would be in tony khan's wheelhouse did i could did, see him being that yeah i'm sorry did they ever do a talk show segment on south park that uh that ripped from ed mcmahon uh probably not um i mean <laughs> I'm just sure assume they've done, you know, six thousand segments but yeah 
I just assume that's the only content Tony has ever actually consumed. ECW <laughs> and South Park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I we need Rebel to, to bust out a hey now just to confirm uh, Nate's hypothesis there. But <laughs> there, there's been talk shows on South Park, but I can't remember one while I was watching that had a Ed McMahon impression. Uh, I'll do our listener elite now. Uh, my buddy Rob, who uh, sometimes texts me about AW, really into the sparklers, sparklers simulating <laughs> Cody's entrance. Now, I thought those were particularly good. Uh, now, do you, does Rob text you about the content of our show as well, or is he just an AEW watcher? He does uh, sometimes text about okay. the content of our show. Just wanted to make sure because you you presented it as a listener. Yes, elite. He he is a listener. Uh, let's see. He was texting me something the other day about how I was right about a point. I'll, I'll so take I it really on your should. word. <laughs> I really should have called that out on the show. Um, you know, yeah, we but got, I just I, we got to hold our friends to account. I think that's important. That's true. I was pretty surprised. Uh, it seemed like there was some. Uh, I just saw people who did not like this segment, and it kind of blew my mind. I just thought it was so entertaining and so good. That I can't imagine not liking it. I did like it. And I, I also liked that. It's like, oh, yeah, no, we didn't forget about Jade Cargill um, or Red Velvet or their attacks or whatever. Because, like, sometimes you wonder, you're like, oh, that storyline hasn't been on TV in two weeks. I wonder if they literally just forgot or, you know, they're disappearing because of COVID. Uh, I, I can also understand a lot happened. It's because it's like, oh, we have to fit, you know, all 12 of our female talents have to be in this one segment because that's all the time they get. So I can understand being like that was that was just fucking too much for me. I mean, yeah, the the Brit Thunder Rosa thing was kind of just like tacked on to the end. I wasn't in love with that, but all the stuff with uh, Brit and Rebel and Cody especially was good. And then yeah, you got the Jade Cargill thing. I love <clears throat> that they are just uh, ignoring what Shaq said when he was actually on the show and just continuing on as if you know he he and Jade are somehow at odds with Cody. I respect that. You know, I mean, you're not going to be able to like entirely control someone like Shaquille O'Neal. I mean, ask ask Ernie Johnson about that on Inside the NBA. Like, he he's just going to do it like that. So, I mean, maybe you just keep on saying, "No, there is a feud here," and everyone be like, "Oh yeah, there's a feud here." Shaq has beef with the Rhodes family, and even though that Shaq has on air said, "I like Cody, but I want to see what happens when Jade faces Brandy," which obviously that's not going to happen. Unless they're stringing this thing out for another year, which they I might. suspect. They could. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good chance they do. Beach break 2022. <laughs> well, she was asking for an opponent, so I, I suspect they're going to at least give her someone to stand in the way before she gets around to facing a post-pregnancy Brandy. Uh, all right, time for my elite pick. Um, I'm just going to go with uh, the Dark Order transitioning seamlessly into a babyface unit. They had this little segment this week where it's just like, oh, here's just some fun guys having a good time uh, talking about, you know, dark things, I suppose. I don't know. I don't know how they're going to, like, work the dark order into uh, what they are now. But it's basically like, let's let John Silver uh, just fucking show his ass, do whatever he wants to do. And uh, Evil Uno will kind of be the de facto leader, but Silver is obviously the star. And uh, they're just having a good time. I, I enjoyed that. That's you don't sometimes things fall in your lap uh well sometimes in wrestling companies things fall in their lap and they're like fuck we're not doing anything with this this is not in our plans but uh they have done the right thing here with the dark order so good for them 
Just guys being dudes. What's better than that? Anna. Anna. Every time I hear him say uh, say Anna like that, dating back to BTE, I corpse almost as much as the Dark Order in that. And it's nice to have, like, remember the concept of hang around TV? Like the idea that you just want to watch something that's pleasant and like the idea that Friends was the first hang around TV show in a lot of ways. This is a hang around unit. Like that they hang out in their clubhouse. They're just joking around. John Silver's just being wild. And then, you know, now we're going to probably have the idea that Hangman Page is going to join them, which I think that was obviously going to be an endpoint regardless, but now it's even more so. And I think that that's the right move for everyone involved. And now we have a pretty exciting looking eight men tag match next week that is, you know, we're going to we're, we're going to have a good time with the Dark Order. They're, 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 they're cool folks now. And I guess the only time we, we ever talk about them being a cult is on BTE now. Well, hey, cults are supposed to be fun. So, I mean, I still think there's a good way to to work this back in. It does make more sense for the cults to be, like, enjoying the benefits of being in a cult than what they do on PT a lot of the time, which is, oh, all the members of the Dark Order actually fucking hate each other. <laughs> which is, like, the source of a lot of the skits, I guess, which is like, why are you guys together? I don't understand. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, they all seem to hate Alan Angels on on BT. That's like, yeah, and... that's like his gimmick. It's like, oh, he's the he's the kicking boy, he's the whipping boy, or whatever. Which is like, okay, that makes sense for one guy. But then it's also like, no, actually, Anna hates Stu, and uh, Stu hates Silver, and they all just this goes in a big, uh, you know, destructive circle of everybody hating each other. But yeah, it makes more sense if it's like, oh no, actually, you know, John <laughs> loves uh, Alex and wants Hangman to come hang out with them, and they all will drink with Cole Cabana, etc. That's supposed to happen later in the cult, you know, where everybody kind of falls apart and starts hating each other. Yes. So they can have that story later, you know, but for now, let's just have a good time. Uh, you know, I don't Although, know exactly on, what on the point of having that story later, we might might touch on that. Ooh, ooh what a tease. Okay, let's get into uh, the stuff we didn't like from the show. So, Nate, what was your delete pick from this episode? Well, that won't be my delete pick because my delete pick will be something that I think is specific to me among the three of us, uh, which is that. So I watch this show, of course, from Belarus on the fight app. Uh, so I don't see the same TNT feed that everybody else gets. But I think there were some clear editing and timing issues with this show. Uh, the editing on the fight stream had a bunch of very jarring jump cuts just ahead in time. Uh, and annoyingly maybe happened during the most the, the best segments on the show, which were the main event and the waiting room segment. Um, and I have to conclude that this was not that I saw other people having the same problem. And also the main TV show had a overrun of like two minutes. So they obviously went over time and the fight stream, I guess they took some steps to correct that by just editing out random chunks of the show is all I can conclude because the fight stream, ended on time at the exact, you know, nine o'clock hour, whereas the TNT stream seemed to go over by two minutes. So, uh, yeah, that's my complaint is it's very, uh, 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 odd jump cuts that, you know, sort of set you out of time. And you're like, what the, what the fuck is going on? What happened? Why is, why is all of a sudden a segment from, you know, three weeks ago where Britt Baker attacked Thunder Rosa cutting into my Jade Cargill angle, and how did we get here? And now we're back in the arena and now we're talking to the screen and just very, very confused. And it's something for me that I watch it through YouTube TV. So my feed is usually about 
45 seconds to a minute behind everyone else but so and the discord everyone's going like that's a weird cut that's a weird cut and then when it came up there i was like yeah that's kind of odd and it's something that and i'm not trying to like uh just like thread a needle or just like make a mountain of a molehill here but a lot of the things that they do for these taped shows production wise do not result in a very pleasant viewing and listening experience for some reason they always keep the crowd noise super high at the start and then they pot it down throughout the show and yeah some of the editing was kind of loopy and thin and it's something that it seems to be a trend there. So I didn't have as many of like the jump cuts because of that. And interestingly enough, Nate, the official listed time for the show, according to the Nielsen was still 120 minutes. So there was like this weird thing, but it only counted for 120 minutes. So it's, it's bizarre. Yeah. It did seem weird because it felt like they were really coming up on the end there. Honestly, I, I forgot to, or I just didn't notice what time it actually was when, uh, when the show ended, I think it was two or three minutes past the hour. I think I remember, I think Chelsea saying in the discord that it was, I think scheduled for at least a minute overrun. So yeah, it, it's weird. Yeah. But the, I didn't notice as much as you're talking about Nate, but definitely that Thunder Rosa Brit thing felt just like super, uh, just pushed in there. Very strange. Uh, it was just like, Oh, we're going to a promo. It's like, Oh we're, yeah, we're going right back to Brit, uh, without any, any notice or anything to like tell us what smash what cuts a just smash, smash cut. cut yes that's yeah. true uh, but it didn't feel like it was done in like a cool way for uh for effect it was just like weird yeah it's just you wonder if some of this shit just went too long and they were trying to edit it all together in the end and this is what we ended up with yeah i mean the 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 one of the main there were a couple i think even in the main event but there was one where it was like literally they were in the process of doing some other move and then suddenly darby was like you know 0.5 seconds away from being chucked through the table at ringside. So it's not any cut that you would intentionally make. It's like, oh, no, that's just like they had to cut something out of the show. And I don't know, <laughs> Fight TV's algorithm pulled out these seconds at random. It was very, very weird. Very weird. Uh, but, yeah, the sound is drives me insane every tape show. All right, Mike, what was your D-Leap pick from this week? So they had this, I guess – official overrun that wasn't an overrun and if you're like trying to find things to edit down then boy do i have two matches for you that just went way too long than their purpose they just kind of went on especially for what these matches were trying to be and that was the trios match with kenny omega and the good brothers versus uh uh, Danny Limelight, and I didn't catch the other two, but I knew it was Danny Limelight, but they were billed as Jobber. Blondes. Oh, it was Varsity Blondes, yes, my bad. Varsity Blondes. And then the FTR versus Dress Express match. It was something that, we, like, the whole entire pacing, Nate, like, building off your point about, like, it feels like they were kind of, like, cutting things like this. It got to a point where it was the traditional 938 start of a women's match, and I was like, oh, they're not going to give this match any time whatsoever. I was actually really into the build for this. And then they, they they were able to have a decent match, but it's just like timing wise, like was there any reason why this trios match should have gone longer than like four minute squash? Like to be honest, like it felt like it went on forever, and it takes out my enjoyment because I felt like the first hour was very well paced, but like everything was happening, and then you had like these two title matches that were supposed to be headlining the show, and then you just had like 
I, and I understand I'm probably one of the people who are lowest on FTR. So that's my own personal preference and that's fine. But it's just like, does, does this need to be going on this long? It just felt like that got built off. Like the fact that they had had to edit the show somewhat. It just felt like like the pacing, at least in the middle half of the show felt a little suspect in some ways. Yeah. You know, I don't want to be, you know, the, the there's now it's basically become a meme now that, you know, Kenny Omega gives his opponents too much and it's like, Oh, he's, you know, should beat Danny Limelight in, in two minutes. Uh, I don't really have a problem with working, yeah. you know, a semi-competitive match against an underneath guy, even when you're, you know, the world champion, Kenny Omega. But I, I don't understand doing a match of that length, um, especially when, you know, the, the point of this segment is, oh, uh, Kenny Omega and Don Callis, or at least Don Callis, pulled the wool over the young buck's eyes and fucked them over and got him out of this match and plugged in the good brothers instead. That's the point of the segment. The point of the segment is not, Oh, look how well these teams work uh, against, you know, this jobber team, including a guy who's like, you know, not even to the level of you know, the varsity blondes and Danny limelight. And it's also very odd to the TNA has a pay-per-view this weekend, like, and 90% of the draw for that show is like, Hey, Kenny Omega's on this show. You get to see him team with the Good Brothers. Uh, and th- that should be the draw for that show. But they gave that away on this episode. Uh, and, you know, I, that kind of makes sense to me if you're doing, okay, Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers, they're going to beat this team in six minutes. Uh, now you have to tune in on TNA to see him face a competitive team and see like a real match from these guys. That makes sense to me. But they just went and did that uh, again on this television show instead. Uh, so that's very strange to me. The FDR one, like, that's kind of fine to me. Like, those are both two pushed acts. Like, FDR is obviously going to be a pushed act in the tag team division. Jungle Boy is obviously a future star. And, like, Marco Stunt, I think we all agree, is like, oh, he's, like, uh, you know, unexpectedly quite entertaining every time out there. And we're always a little bit impressed by him. So, like, I'm fine giving that as much time as you need to. Um, but, yeah, the trios match. It, it, again, you can cut time from almost all of these matches. Did they even do a sell on the hard to kill pay-per-view not that i noticed they did during kenny's ring entrance that's right it's like shouldn't don Callis? i mean if we're imagining this as like a business deal you know shouldn't don Callis get on the mic and say by the way you can see this team on pay-per-view this sunday or whatever the fuck it is yeah i do like i almost pity tna about it a little bit because like <laughs> Tony goes on their show and buries them hard. The Tonys go on TNA and they are stiff. Uh, And then it like, don't return the favor on, on dynamite whatsoever, Uh, which is funny, but (laughs) you know, it's, it's almost like they're like the, the heel half of this uh, promotional exchange. And maybe they're taking some of their talent, which I guess we'll, we'll hear about in the near future. Dot, dot, dot Uh, ellipsis. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'll just, I'll go uh, by delete from that one, which you're right, Nate. The point of that was uh, that Don Callis pulled the wool over the eyes of the young bucks. Uh, but it's like uh, real fucking annoying to me for, for AEW to have another whose side are they on angle. And now we're seeing another whose side are they on angle with the young bucks, which is like, Jesus Christ, can we just, you know, they came out, I think uh, Swarles mentioned this in the Discord, they came out last week and they just joined up with their buddies and did the two sweet, and it's like, oh, that's satisfying, you know, it just kind of happened. Hey, it's the famous hand sign. I'm sorry, the famous hand sign, I apologize. And now it's like, oh wait, actually, 
what if we drag out for like a month of TV uh, who the Young Bucks are actually behind here? And I- I'm starting to realize that's like, this is how, this is the only thing the Young Bucks and Kenny know how to book, right? It's like some drawn out story about uh, who uh, likes who. Well, I, I, I don't want to put all the blame on them because it might be the only story that anybody knows how to book because, so they're doing that. The, the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega just did this whole thing with Adam Page in the Elite. Uh, Adam Page finally leads, leaves the Elite and the next story he goes to is, hey, is he going to join this the, the Dark Order now? Is he friends <laughs> with these guys or is he not friends with these guys? Is he in the stable or is he out of the stable? We can't tell. The other fucking big story in this promotion is, Hey, the inner circle, they added these guys. Hey, are they friends? Are they going to get along? Are we going to break the stable apart? It's just every, it seems like the only, <laughs> okay, that's maybe overstated. A significant uh, proportion of the stories in this promotion are like joining a stable, uh, discord within the stable, and then leaving a stable. Uh, and it's just a lot of the same notes being played over and over again. Like, I, 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 we talked, you know, just like that thing with the Young Bucks. I said, oh, you know, I'm happy that the MJF and Jericho storyline is like moving along at this pace. Like it seems to be moving along pretty quickly. We're not just going to drag it out. Uh, but now we're at like week four of them being like, oh, no, actually, they're all cool with MJF. Actually, no, no, we're not cool with MJF anymore. Oh, now we're not cool with Hager. Actually, we are cool with Hager now. Uh, and it just, yeah, just just week after week. And it's something where like, we're to a point now that let's track uh, the Umbucks last year. So they won this match to get into Revolution, where the whole idea was that leading up to this match was that Adam Page wanted to be his own guy, but then he starts teaming with someone who was in his former stable. And then there was all this discord, because then FTR was here. And then are they friends of FTR or are they not friends of FTR? It seems like they were friends of FTR for a little bit there. And then they then eventually have a feud with FTR over the titles that eventually they're not friends. And then during that show, Kenny Omega storms off after losing the title, and then they win the titles. And it's just like, at a certain point, I was very happy to see the Lucha Brothers come out here because I'm like, okay, we've had all of this over the last 16 months that I'm ready for them to go back to lucha brothers versus young bucks because that was a mat because that was a series about guys who just seeing who was the best tag team on the planet and that's a storyline that if you're going to repeat who is the best on the planet you can repeat that because people should have like a claim of saying you right now are the champions it means you're best we think we're best so we're gonna go for the titles there so and and then you like parallel that with the inner circle wasn't it supposed to be that like the last time like when they had like that big intervention or town hall thing that was like the next time there was anything that was any discord the inner circle was done didn't sammy say that like shouldn't this be like oh we're done now because of that like that's going back on something not even a month ago yeah sammy sammy is the only one who like seems like the voice of reason or seems like the voice of the audience uh and saves like half of these inner circle segments through his performance uh the same thing here where he's just like his 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 dialogue uh, and his jokes were like the only thing that made the inner circle segment watchable to me. So yeah, that totally, you know, they just skipped over that, I guess. Yeah. You guys are right. That that is a common problem within the promotion in general. I was just thinking about how like, Oh, the young bucks and Kenny did like all the shit with Ibushi, you know, like all the bullet club, like who's in bullet club and whose side. And it's like, okay, you're just, you're kind of repeating the same story again. I think 
but here we are. Uh, listener delay for the week. Uh, listener Rawl is deleting the Judas sing-along. I feel like there's a lot of uh, backlash now. I think the, the Judas sing-along has maybe overstayed its welcome, at least with a certain type of fan. Well, yeah. Uh, you know, Jericho in general has overstayed his welcome. I deleted Jericho last week. Uh, Rawl's dead on that the Judas meme is tired. They, <laughs> the Judas thing would work fine and be like, oh, this is actually still cool and still organic and natural if we had full crowds, but we haven't had full crowds for like, I don't know, nine months or something. So it just feels more manufactured and WWE like it feels like WWE. Remember when they tried to get Fandangoing over uh, because the raw after WrestleMania people dance for Fandango and then whenever Fandango would, uh, of course, create Jericho rival Fandango. Whenever he would enter, they'd like try and make people dance and like tape them. That's what the Judas sing along feels like now. And that's what you have to stay away from. Like, just stop going back to the well on Chris Jericho in general. And there's something about this I want to ask y'all a question because I wasn't very clear about this. Is it something that like that Jericho is like having them replay the chorus if he doesn't think the crowd's cheering loud enough or singing around long enough? Like I heard that that was something that was happening. Like, uh, that's not happening on TV. I don't, maybe it's happening during the tapings. Uh, yeah, but but I don't think it's being translated to TV. It just feels, you know, they're playing the fucking tape, and then Jericho's like looking to the crowd expectingly, and it's just very mm-hmm. corny. And, and it's something that with Jericho and Jericho's history of getting stuff over, it's not that like he has an inability to get things over when it's over, like. The whole, like, part of his charisma dating back since WCW is that he'll do something funny that the crowd grasps onto and he'll get over almost to the point that Jericho is tired of it being over, like the list of Jericho thing. So it's it, it's just a bad read on someone that, you know, as you said, Nate, uh, Jericho is, you know, him with COVID and everything, Jericho just, like, being around at this point just is becoming an active detriment to the shows more so than being a benefit. Yeah. He's, he's too cooked to know that it's past its time basically. And there's nobody to get it over with. Yeah. And also, and this is like the Jericho thing too, of Jericho. It would be nice if he'd gone away for a while and he comes back and you're like, Oh, it's Jericho. If this kind of went away, then maybe the first time there's a crowd, they sing along and it's like, oh yeah, that was fun when that used to happen. Yeah. But we get a no. cheer, we get a sing along now. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. If it felt organic and you missed it a little bit. Now, right. you mm-hmm. know, I, I don't know if we're ever going to get crowds back, but if we do, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There, it's going to happen. I'm going to be fucking annoyed about it. Be like, yeah. this whole crowd is, you know, six months behind the times because they're still doing this Judas thing. Don't they know it's played out? Yeah, and absent ma- absence makes the heart fonder, Chris Jericho, in a lot of ways. Absence makes the heart fonder. Well, uh, the absence of, you know, the NHL maybe was making your heart grow fonder for hockey. Perhaps the absence, right now, the absence of some NBA games uh, because of COVID is perhaps making your heart grow fonder. Uh, so if you're feeling really fond, why don't you head over to my bookie? It's the time of year when divisions are decided, champions are crowned, and legends are born. That's right. It's time for the NFL playoffs. So make sure you're getting in on that. Uh, I don't watch a lot of NFL, so hard for me to get in on that. Uh, I have been rent- 
uh, wrenching. I'm not sure if that's the word I want to use. The only joy I can out of this shitty Kentucky basketball season by the fact that the the uh, bookies cannot figure them out. And I have just a little bit better understanding than they do of uh, this team. We we go on a 3-0 and win streak. And then they Kentucky was favored by three and a half at Alabama or at Kentucky, but playing Alabama. And uh, I knew they would shit the bed, and they did. So you know, Daddy gets paid. That's that's really all that matters. It and you know that there is big NFL news as someone is now all elite today. Did, oh, that's right. You, that that's is, right. and sadly, I did not get up on like I did not see a prop bet on betting that uh, former several time national champion Urban Meyer would be the new head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. So that'll be an interesting thing. And I wonder if I can get a prop bet on how long until he gets too miserable that he quits the job. But it, it, it's weird because also with uh, with like everything starting up, like League of, League of Legends is going to start up, and it's such a mess right now, at least esports-wise, that they're, they've had to redo everything, and, and like half of the teams are like stuck in their own country, and they can't actually get on the right server to play. So... You, you, you know, you like look at like how odds makers haven't necessarily figured it out. I, I'm done betting on the University of Miami Hurricanes this year. They are just a bad team. There, there, there's no enjoyment for me working the figures like you're able to, A.B. So I look well, towards esports and esports, you know, it's going to be a hard thing to figure out this year. Just make sure you're using that promo code ELITE uh, to get your deposit match up to $1,000. Uh, whether you're at home or on the go, on your laptop or your phone, it's not too late to make your New Year's resolution. A resolution to get paid, baby. <laughs> My bookie promo code <laughs> elite. Really pop yourself there. Uh, <laughs> well, no, you uh, you were surprised by my. That's that's uh, true. I was surprised. Injection of energy, and that's what popped me. Our bookie is the only uh, the only like profession or service where they advertise like how bad they are at their jobs. <laughs> it's like we are so bad at setting the lines. You can come and take advantage of us. We're very dumb. I, I mean, car car salesman saying you get so much money off your next car, like the crazy used car salesman. Yeah, that seems that's that seems just like it's just like dishonest, though, right? Like that's just that's right. fair. We're, that's we're fair. lying. You know, we're, we're oh, you know, you're ripping us off by taking these cars. Mm-hmm. I don't think you know that's that's maybe like hyperbole, but not actually. Yeah, th- that is the same energy though, for sure. Yeah, but I mean, well, bookies are the only one where it's like they have to be bad at their job for you to win. Yeah. Or, or, or like there was this really interesting article that came out on Slate a couple weeks back about the Slate U.S. Pitch. election. Sorry? Slate pitch. Sorry, it was just a, <laughs> it was a bad Twitter joke. I, I, I didn't. Oh, Slate pitch. Yeah, no. Like this was a successful one where they were uh, – it was Alex Kirshner, who's a college football writer and talks about sports betting, talking to bookies about the election and how they had to constantly change the odds, if only because there was so much action, if not outside of reality. And a lot of people are like trying to file, file lawsuits because how much money was given on was bet on the Trump side out of like certainty of that. It's like, hey, we had to like work the numbers to actually make it make sense. But in reality, because of the amount of action, it should have been reflected of this much, and it should have been even more of it. And it's something that it's like the, the the sports books made an insane. They said it was like the biggest day for most of the sports books in their history was election day because of all the uh, Trump prop bets. Yeah, but it's it was fucking dumb because they ended up 
you know, going to where Biden was uh, the big underdog, you know, as the night went on. And it's like, should they have just kept pumping up the Trump odds because the people were those people are going to bet on Trump fucking regardless because they're dumb. And, yeah. and that was the problem. That was the problem was like the odds that they had to keep it in some realm of like, this is what like the actual like uh, uh, Dan Wasserman's were saying. L- maybe, like maybe I should was, read the article, maybe, you know, this is like the Twitter it, thing. Do you want to read this article before you retweet it? Maybe <laughs> I should. I, I got one of those yesterday, but it was, there was a helpful screen cap from the part of the article that I thought was relevant. And I'm like, no, Twitter, because this guy posted the only part of this article I intend to read. So the article is now useless to me because <laughs> I got these three sentences. And exactly. it's like, no, I would have clicked the article if I wanted to read the article first. I want to retweet whatever this point is. I'll just say uh, the reading situation online has gotten untenable because even with an ad block, like it's almost impossible to find any article to read between it's, it's, paywalls and the fucking the ad situation on a mobile phone is is unbearable. I, I, as I say this, Rich Craig is cutting in an ad to go right into my line of dialogue. If I'm speaking, that's going to cut me off. Uh, but I, just so our listeners know, I also find ads annoying. You should be saving for the future, but savings accounts suck and investing can be scary. We combine the ease of savings with the real returns of investing. We call it Save Vesting, and it's only available in our new app, Stairs. Stairs offers 4 to 6% returns, no fees, and you can withdraw anytime. Do your future a favor. Visit stairsapp.com today. It, it, it's something also that it's like it I I don't know, maybe I view information as almost like a public utility in a way that I'm like, yes, that there is like the unenviable thing like like Washington Post and New York Times trying to like no one buys a physical newspaper now, so how do they derive any sort of revenue to keep the web, the uh, newspaper afloat? But at the same time, it's like if you're going to like have like some news that should be a public utility behind a paywall, then that's just bad. Like it's just yeah. atrocious. Well, it's like first of all, your new your newspapers fucking suck. New York Times, Washington Post. So I don't really care. And, and but it's owned, like you know owned by billionaires who never need a do- another dollar in their lives anyway. True uh, and. You know, it just brings uh, to mind the the goodness, the quality, the value of, of state-run media. They should just uh, go full state-run here, here. media. Hard Never cosign. Or, yeah, <laughs> we should nationalize the Epoch Times, and that should be our national uh, source of news. <laughs> Apparently, the, the Epoch Times has, like, become, like, like to a level I did not understand, like how big they've become because no, oh, yeah, because there's no paywall and it's where all the right wing disinformation on Facebook gets shared around and then gets you yeah. know, basically endorsed by Trump. So yeah, it's like you know, <laughs> you know, it's like a, I don't know about Fox News level, but it's certainly like Newsmax level. Maybe it is that like in my part of the Southeast, the news already has a certain slant to begin with. So there's like no big pathway for them in South Carolina. But like hearing that the Epoch Times is like now one of the most like highly trafficked news sources, if you want to call it a news source, just blew my mind when I discovered that. Yeah, everything's great. Everything's going well. (laughs) And and we thought we'd have fun to it this week. Like I said, I'm doing fantastic. (laughs) I had to, uh, I had a I use lists a lot on Twitter like that's the way that I mostly consume Twitter I would say and uh, I had a list of like 
you know, Kentucky politics, but the legislature just started and it was so fucking miserable because the Republicans in the, the Kentucky state Senate has 100 seats and Republicans have 75. <laughs> so they can literally, they can do anything they want. And you, we have a democratic governor, but they can uh, override a veto with a simple majority. <laughs> it's only a simple majority override. That's yeah. And uh, well, I don't know if you guys what, know that what's we're the, the point. What's the even point of that? If did Why you have, to pass, have to pass with a simple majority in the first place. Yes. <laughs> I, I mean, like, that that was always a thing growing up in Texas. It was such a, a monoculture state as well that, like, a lot of the, like, the uh, Democrats that were from Dallas or Austin or Houston or San Antonio, never Fort Worth, by the way, but um, they, they were like, well, we are here and we're trying to be some sort of resistance, but we just kind of exist here and we're just kind of, like, saying things we were supposed to say and we believe in these things. We know it doesn't matter. And I'm like, that is a quick way, I think, for someone to – really like if you have the if you have a certain mind to really just get depressed real quick well it, yeah. it, on the bright side it doesn't really matter anyway uh because <laughs> we talked on this show about the law that california passed that was like you know uh changing their guidelines for independent contractors which could theoretically mean that wwe would no longer be able to classify their wrestlers as independent contractors in that state but uh no worries because the uh resolution that's not the word, is it? The public resolution? Uh, Prop 22. The, the right. prop? That's a resolution, yeah. right? Prop Proposal. Proposition? Yeah, so oh, that, yeah, that sure. passed, yeah. which means they were, uh, you know, the public was happy to get rid of that law. And then the Democrats were just pleased as punch about it and, you know, endorsing all the lawyers that wrote the law and advocated it, the resolution rather, and advocated it. Uh, so, yeah, you know, even if you have a Democratic majority state like California, you still don't actually get any progressive legislation passed. Yeah, I was I have thought about that over the years of like, you know, there's been times when I thought, oh, should I move to like a, a, a more progressive state? You know, and then you realize that like, yeah, they don't do shit that's worth anything in those states either. It's like it's just a miserable country, right? It's like if you live here, it's just bad. There's just and, bad and then you have the cost of living difference of like yeah. that happens that more often than not, the more progressive states are ones with a much higher cost of living. And you're just like, what is well, what's it matter? I'm just yeah. going to amuse myself to death one way or the other. I might as well do it where I can amuse myself more and not have yeah. to pay a crazy rent. The, the only way it ever works, Nate, is that sometimes they'll pass a bunch of shit right at the end. And then if he vetoes, if the governor vetoes it, they don't have enough time to, because mm. the Kentucky legislature is part-time. It can only be in session for so many days per per year. Yeah, it wouldn't, wouldn't want, you know, the state government paying out any salaries to anyone. Right. Uh, so uh, sometimes they run out of time. Uh, but the first thing they did this year was, uh, of course, try to pass something to stop the governor from being able to do anything about the pandemic. So, uh, yeah. So it's, you know. Anyway, the point of that was we I had to here. delete my list because I was like, I can't fucking deal with this stuff. I just well, don't care about this. Uh, uh, you know, what what level of information uh, uh, penetration is it actually helping you and making you have an informed choice right. or do anything constructive? Like, certainly not that much information. No, it's like, okay, if this state is just completely controlled by uh, arch conservatives, like, what could me knowing about it possibly <laughs> do? I mean, like, okay, you know, right. you know rattle ties you to pick up a gun, then maybe <laughs> I already have guns, folks, so it's fine. All right, so speaking of guns. Uh, <laughs> EW went pew pew in the ratings this week. 
Uh, up. Yeah. Thousand. That's right, folks. That means up. I'm going to get a soundboard, and I'm going to pull your pew pew and use it for uh, whenever you're shooting, I guess. Thank you. Thank you. They're up to 762,000. Uh, honestly, a strong performance against uh, impeachment number two. I guess nobody gave a shit about the impeachment. Uh, 31st in the demo with a 0. .30. NXT uh, went drip, drop, drip down again. I'm going to provide like the actual sound effects with my mouth that you were trying to make. So No, I was trying to go drip, drop, drip. Well, you know, I know. I, I, I was, common knowledge that the opposite of a gunshot is a is a drip, is a water faucet, yeah. is a water faucet dripping. So yeah, I think yeah. that it, it. It, it, it's keeping oh. your your faucet at a level just so the fries the the pipes don't freeze. That's right. Yeah. Instead of yeah. Droop, so five hundred fifty one thousand <laughs> down from six forty one seventieth in the demo with a point one four down from a point one six. Uh, listeners. If you've ever wondered what the instant reaction shows are after the pay-per-views on the Patreon, this is what they're like. Me uh, losing my mind because I need to be in bed instead. <laughs> yeah, so um, same situation as last week. Next week's the inauguration. Don't expect some big like jump to 900,000 viewers from AEW or going much higher in the ratings. Uh, other things to note, I mean, they held up better. So, I mean, that's good. Maybe it's that everyone is like, oh, uh the impeachment happened no reason for us to keep it on the news now we know what's happening right now i mean that's just my own rationalization worth noting was that nhl had opening day yesterday and they did exceedingly well but it's hockey so i expect the ratings to drop like a rock soon after and yeah i mean we'll we'll do this again next week aaron maybe we'll have more sound effects for it <laughs> no it has to be organic or it won't work I like my drop noise more than you, Nate. Uh, which drop did you? Which drop noise you like more? Uh, Aaron, do yours first, and I'll do mine. Drip, drop, drip. Yeah. All right. Aaron's is better because it's so much worse. <laughs> okay, so so I actually have like a re somewhat right. realistic like. Like I mean, that's actually that's not good, Mike. But <laughs> Aaron's is. Like... I was doing better. I was doing better when I was not on the spot. <laughs> Okay, I'm oh, done. Wait, I'm done. It on your own faucet. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm real dumb, everyone. And I promise that I will always try, but I'm still going to be real dumb at the end of the day. You respect it, Mike. I'm smart. <laughs> I'm somewhere in the middle, I think. Okay. Uh, we opened up with a Pac and Eddie Kingston hype video that led right into Pac defeating Eddie Kingston with the Black Arrow uh, immediately after the match. Uh, Pack locked in the brutalizer. We had a face off between Death Triangle and Butcher and Blade. Lance Archer came out, cleared the ring, but then for some reason he was mad at Pack because somebody is not on the same page. This was a good match, but if you wanted to complain that the whole Death Triangle, Eddie Kingston, Butcher and the Blade story is about people joining and then breaking up the stable, just like all the other stories, uh, I don't think you're wrong. Yeah, uh, this match rocked. I liked how they kind of uh, pack came in and didn't work this. Uh, he worked this more babyface, which is notable because he still came out in the heel tunnel, and he it was like noticed that like pack uh, instead of like going and focusing on punishing Eddie, he's like I'm going to beat you first, and then I'm going to try to punish you. And I thought that that was a 
really smart move and a fake sport where people are usually real dumb. Okay, but isn't that a heel thing? Like, uh, I just I don't understand Pac's alignment at this point. He's a heel, but he's a babyface against Eddie Kingston. Yeah, yeah, he's still a bastard. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's by nature a bastard. He's the bastard. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's something where like. You can have these matchups, and sometimes it's hard to do heel versus heel, but it's kind of worked there. Yeah, I don't. You don't have to think about it. He's just, he's he's by nature a bastard, but he's a babyface in the storyline because of Eddie, you know, stealing his guys. Wait, I have to think about these things. We talk about. No, it. I, we've already talked I'm about it for too much. I'm getting upset. Okay, but let me let me put this to you. Oh Is so. <sighs> we're 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 ending up right in a Kenny. Uh, the Good Brothers and somebody else in a War Games match against a Mox-led face team, right? I don't know that. I think that's where we're going. Maybe. So, I mean, is it because it, it's going to be Mox and Pack and Archer and uh, Death Trying? No. That doesn't seem likely to me at all. I think it is. Right, no, I... I mean, yeah, the, the they did not really make a whole lot of sense out of Phoenix and Pentagon coming out later. Uh, the young, the, I mean, the young bucks have to be involved in the match on one on one side or the other, and it doesn't seem like they're likely to be on the Good Brothers side. So who who knows? We'll find out. Fucking thirteen weeks from now. I, I regret digging into this, <laughs> as I knew Miro. I would. Miro defeated Chuck Taylor with the game over. Uh, Chuck must now be Miro's butler. butler. Out. That's it. <laughs> Why did they change it to butler? I guess they thought young boy maybe was going to sound weird to the majority of listeners. Watchers? Yeah. Viewers? The butler thing has more, like they've done that before in, in Western wrestling, whereas the whole concept of a young boy, young line, however you want to call it, kind of is weird I, I would think to people who aren't familiar with it so it makes sense plus chuck taylor gets to wear a tuxedo that's one for everyone it's a rib on chuck because of jimmy butler oh good point good point yeah <laughs> if this were wwe that would definitely be the answer <laughs> but i uh, can't say here it does that does suggest that maybe tony khan does not only watch south park and has watched what was it the first episode of seinfeld <laughs> wait was that was that the first episode or was that the pilot on the show within a show maybe it was both you mean the jerry show wasn't it called jerry the pilot yeah, the show within jerry, show yeah yeah all right moving on good match <laughs> Miro looked good all the wrestling was good on the show yeah mm -hmm. uh, dasha is with private party and matt hardy they're arguing about the 30 percent that they agreed to uh last week mark Quinn called matt a money-grubbing Money grabbing, Carney. I'm sorry, uh, and Hardy says he's the only one who cares about them, so they should shut up and listen to him. This made me so mad uh, because <laughs> they literally last week talked about the fact that it was 30 percent out loud on television for everyone to hear, uh, and now they're acting like they didn't know it was in the contract. Uh, it's just very dumb. This is bad. All right, I'll accept your no. It's not. You know, the outline, like, like the whole Hardy storyline, the Hardy character idea is good. The storyline idea is good. The execution and the pace and the, you know, little vignettes that they're doing about it are 
overexposed and not playing to their strengths. They, you know, they just turned him heel on a dime and then it's like, okay, now he's going to be heel and we're going to get to the point of this contract uh, and we're going to do it in vignettes on Dynamite that aren't as good as the private party vignettes on Sammy Guevara vlog. So, yeah. Inner Circle came out. Uh, everyone is giving their New Year's resolutions, uh, except Wordlow, which was uh, noted on Twitter today. Very disappointing. Yes, Very yes, disappointing. To improve. What are you going to improve on fucking Wardlow? That's true. That's maybe, maybe he wants to get a hobby. Who knows? Maybe. Uh, Jericho says his resolution is that he and MJF are going to win the tag titles. This makes Santana mad because Jericho handpicked he and Ortiz to be the tag team in the inner circle. Uh, Sammy calls Jericho a tag team slut, which leads to bickering among the inner circle. And uh, Jericho, to solve this, suggests a three-way tag to determine the inner circle tag team. Jericho and MJF versus Santana and Ortiz versus Sammy and Jake Hager. This leads to a Sammy Hager bit. The Dark Order is with Alex Marvez. We talked about this. Dark Order, they're baby faces now. Uh, best part of this was Silver doing, he's in! We got Hangman! <laughs> he's so good like it's something that you didn't necessarily think that like that energy would work on tv but i'm glad that they're just letting him just be the meat man on tv it rocks they did the darby cage hype video here in the middle uh which i thought was good as they kind of around the nine o'clock hour then we saw dasha backstage with kenny omega and the bucks uh they're talking about you know doing their their big match here in a little bit don Callis suggests that the bucks do their own entrance so we know that uh, shenanigans are afoot. Don Callis is in the ring after Kenny's entrance. Uh, he says he wants to introduce the Bucks himself. He says uh, the World Tag Team Champions and Kenny's two best friends, the Good Brothers, and Machine Gun Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows come out, and then we see the Young Bucks in set backstage, uh, standing there with Tony Khan and Dasha, and uh, they do not look happy. I called it. That's all I gotta say. I called it. He did. I will say that on light, Mike uh, suggested that because they were being cagey about the elite and not saying that it was going to be Omega and the Bucks, that uh, that this is what was going to happen. And it, it did. Uh, Andrew T. Rich, I saw, called it on main, not on a paywalled show. So I got to give it to him. I mean, you could hear my shots, though. Free. Yeah, he put it out for free. I monetized it. <laughs> Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers. Hey, we're, you know, we're going to talk about the uh, the broken information economy in this country. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 I look like a horse ass right now. I apologize. Wait, wait, but wait. Again, no, as no, I no. said, do not talk down about our Patreon on our fucking <laughs> show, man. We we want people to subscribe to the Patreon. Yeah, yeah. Subscribe to the Patreon, and you can hear me call my shots sometimes and right. other things. There were other right. things that are mentioned on Dark or on Light that we talked about yesterday. That's right, baby. Other things were mentioned, people. God damn it. (laughs) Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers defeated the Varsity Blondes and Danny Limelight. Uh, Anderson pinned Limelight after the Magic Killer. Afterwards, Mox came out. Omega and the Good Brothers attacked them. The Lucha Bros made the save. This is why I have my theory, Nate. Uh, Mox is getting the best of Omega. The locker room clears out to break him up. Uh, Mox gives the paradigm shift to a jobber, then dives onto everybody. The Bucks come out to try to convince Mox that they're cool, uh, but then the Lucha Brothers super kick the Bucks. Everybody brawls. Omega walks away. 
Yeah, no, I understood that's why you had your theory. That was not surprising to me. That made sense. I'm gonna I'm gonna send you to the broken information system in this country. Devastating. <laughs> the waiting room was up next. We talked about that. FTR defeated Jungle Boy and Marco Stunt. Uh, cash pinned Marco after the big rig. I think we already discussed that. Also, uh, the NWA Women's World Title. Serena Deeb defeated Ty Conti with the Detox. I saw some people referring to it as the Deeb Tox. Yeah. Which, which do you think it is? <laughs> um, I assumed that it was Detox when I heard it, and I was like, "Oh, that's that's an interesting choice," because like I think she famously had some substance dependency issues. Yeah. Uh, so it's like, oh wow, she took that and in- incorporated that into her character. That's an interesting choice. Uh. It would be very pro wrestling to have a stupid pun as your finisher name. So I could believe Deep Tox. Um, this was a, a good match. I, I think the ad- advantage of the women's matches in this company, and, and particularly, you know, the better ones with Serena Deeb or the ones with Ty Conti, is they have different styles than the rest of the roster in a lot of ways. Like Ty Conti's, uh, you know, judo stuff is like pretty fresh compared to all the other matches you see because a lot of the men's. Matches come from the school of like, uh, you know, your your PWG style, uh, you know, house style, I suppose. Uh, so yeah, it's a, like the, the women's matches always hold my attention a little bit more than the rest because it's like, oh, there's going to be some sort of different vibe to this match. There's going to be some sort of, you know, transition into a heel hook that just like they don't do other places on the card. And it's something that it's nice seeing. Ty's uh, moveset and wrestling style developed the way it has over, I guess, now the last six months. And then you have someone like Serena Deep has such like a grounded grappling style, and it gives you a little bit more variety. And it's something that I always kind of look forward to whenever I see these two on the show. And you know, they came together and had a great match, and it was a it was something that I would like to have seen a little bit more of the match. I still, I I, I would have loved to see this thing. I know it went through one commercial break, but give it time and see how Tay Conti is improving and showcase Serena Deeb. Yeah, Ty rules, no clue. As we also talked about on Light, no clue what's going on with the NWA generally, so I wasn't really sure where this title would go. But uh, yeah, it was good. I enjoyed it. Uh, The main event, TNT title, Darby Allin defeated Brian Cage to retain. This was his first defense of the title, the crucifix bomb from the top rope. afterwards team Taz came out and helped cage out you know with after the uh the sting involvement uh and that was your show so a a good little show i thought all right if you want to uh support this good little show you can head over to patreon.com slash everything elite uh this week a very fun show uh with mike spears and drew spears talking about the nightmare factory produce show uh, I have, I think I have four minutes left of the episode, uh, but it's been a, a great joy so far. Uh, I didn't get to ask you on air. What are your thoughts about the best mic worker in 2021, Abraham Storm, the landlord, the best fighter on the earth? I gotta say, I actually think the promo is good. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think it's actually good or you think it's so funny that it's good? No, I think I'm like, this guy is a good promo. Like, Obviously, it's bad, but it's like 
this guy has presence. He's got a nice voice. He is confident in what he's saying. It's like, this guy could be a really good promo. Yes, he absolutely had like eight ideas and just decided <laughs> to do them all. You know, that happens sometimes. Uh, so, you know, that's fine. He's probably needs some editing. Somebody should have worked with him a little on the promo. Uh, the classic, I saw Cody say this week, sometimes the shit on our show is all the same because we have so much freedom. And it's like, just fucking talk about it before the show. How hard is that? Lay it out. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, I think Cody also maybe should have talked to Abraham Washington and let him work on this. But uh, I think he's a good promo. It, it was a fun show. Uh, if you all haven't checked out this, uh, the Nightmare Factory for our first big student camp, they had a produce show that they put out a couple weeks ago. And me and Drew got a chance to talk about it. It's a few things that uniquely both drew and i like is talking about rookie wrestling and people coming along there and you know we also got to see i think i know who all the car ideas come from by the way i think it's cody rhodes because there was there was a car entrance on the show and we got glacier as a commentary which is has to be hurt to believe yeah i heard that was bad uh well and i heard that from listening to this episode <laughs> <laughs> Aaron, i must ask you at this time uh, how much sleep did you get last night? Because we I, uh, like eight hours. I don't know what's going on with me. I'm losing it, and I just <laughs> drink uh, an A and W root beer. So, uh, well, that's caffeine free though. So, did you say A E W root beer? You guys know that A and W has the website rootbeer.com. <laughs> how, how does AEW needs the A and W sponsorship for sure? Oh, that would oh, be good. absolutely. If you look yeah. at it, I'm going to put it up to the camera here for you guys. The ampersand kind of looks like an E in the A&W logo. Yeah, it could be like a oh, I, I, I'm a, I, I drink A&W diet root beer. I'm aware of the ampersand and their logo. I, I've been to A&W restaurants in Canada. Yeah, Aaron. Come on. <laughs> Sorry, come on. Respect his knowledge. Uh, well, I do have to defer to Mike because it was a double Mike audio week as he also gave us uh, the Go Big Show, Good Time Jamboree. I like Trash TV, and I will continue. People seem to like this. I do a short recap of the Go Big Show. After we're done recording, I'm going to sit down and watch people. Like Apparently, there's someone who's going to walk across a gator pit today, which is very thrilling and very Florida core. So it's to my heart. So yeah, check it out. It's like 10 minutes. It's fun. We also, of course, did the light show that we've been talking about, which we do every week. And uh, next week, uh, Nate and I don't know a special guest maybe I have no idea uh, into the Codyverse episode breaking down Impact's hard to kill pay-per-view are you excited about the hard to kill card I saw it today well like I complained earlier I was mostly excited to see you know Kenny Omega and, and the Good Brothers team together and they just gave this away on this television show so I'm gonna have to I think talk myself into getting hyped for Ethan Page versus the Karate Man and uh, I don't know whatever else is happening. Sammy Callahan, whatever he's doing, gonna get myself up on that. Uh, so yeah, might have a might have a guest, may not. Gonna leave it to the eleventh hour. So uh, you know, stay tuned. Uh, yeah, more good stuff coming the rest of the month. And if you join up, go join our Discord. Um, it's very easy to do. There's a post on the Patreon about how to how to set it up. But I think if you're already on Discord, it'll just automatically kick you in there. So. Uh, that's patreon.com slash everything elite. Go subscribe. Next week on Dynamite, we have uh, Negative One's birthday present, Hangman Page and Dark Order 
versus the Chaos Project and TH2. Is Negative One a big Luther fan? Because that would bring me a lot of joy. One would hope. I mean, he is the most symmetrical man in wrestling. (laughs) Uh, We also have Nyla Rose versus Layla Hirsch. And I believe Chelsea dropped in Discord that Layla Hirsch now has a heels account. So that points strongly toward the idea that she's been signed. And right after Chelsea said that, well, we got this match announced. So uh, that's exciting. Uh, I also, speaking of great content, Hikaru Shida, the Shida tube. Uh, she did. Did you watch this, Nate? She did uh, Keiko trying to teach her how to do the Kenny Omega dance. Uh, it's it's a great video. I did not watch it. I did retweet it. I did not watch it. Um, well, it's 18 minutes long. <laughs> yeah. It's seems... 18 minutes. <laughs> yeah. It's like all of Keiko trying to teach her the dance. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It sounds... I don't know if I can get behind that. Now, is it... Are they speaking to each other in Japanese, or what's the situation there? Almost exclusively in Japanese. <laughs> uh, occasionally, there is a uh, a caption that Shida has put on there. Okay. Sometimes they speak in English. Uh, but it's still... I mean... It's delightful still. I watched all 18 minutes and 20 seconds. Yeah. Well, I won't be watching. <laughs> uh, but I'm going to support the sheet of tube, folks. What I go, did go, learn. Go support uh, Keiko's Amazon wish list. She's a friend of the show, so absolutely. We should make a Patreon tier where if enough people subscribe to it, we'll <laughs> buy like the Apple Watch off of Keiko's wish <laughs> list. <laughs> Like, it's like the opposite of a, a Findom stretch tier. It's like a simping stretch tier. <laughs> uh, and there's a great card on there where when Sheeta introduces Keiko and it says, Keiko Honda, the owner of cool abs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but I learned on this while Sheeta's trying to learn the dance that Sheeta has an injured ankle. Oh. Oh. Scoop. Yeah, scoop. big scoop from Sheeta Tube. She's doing a part where she has to like stand on one uh, leg and she's like makes a painful sound. And then there's a caption that's like, I have an injured ankle or something like I'm that. A, I'm imagining you like going to your Japanese tutor and just pulling up this video and be like, Could you tell me what they say? <laughs> <laughs> I, so I watched this at like 11.45 last night, which you all know is like too late for me to be watching to do anything. We could, we could have done the show by that time. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, we could have. Uh, we probably should. We should just do this show right after the show. Uh, but I, uh, so I was watching it at like 11.45 and I thought, huh, should I sit, should I text this to my Japanese teacher? Would she enjoy this? <laughs> <laughs> and luckily I came to my senses before I did it. Is this something that you do with nearly everything now? Is you like, do you, do I think that my Japanese tutor would, would enjoy this interaction where my student is sending me clips of things and he's trying to understand more? Like, like is, that, is that your thought process here? I'm not yeah. trying to demean you. I'm just trying to understand. No, yeah, what I do is uh, I try to keep a list of things like that that I've seen that I think I should share with her so that I don't do it. And then when it comes to my lesson, like we get to the end of the lesson and I'm like, you know, hold on, let me look at my list of weird shit. And then I look at it and I'm like, no, I don't want to have this conversation about any of these things. <laughs> so then I just, that's great. I'm, I'm, you're doing a great job setting boundaries and I just want to uh, applaud you for it. Thank you. It's a, it's a pretty good um, thing. Although last week I did, I don't remember how this came up in our lesson, but we ended up talking about astrology and. Okay. Uh, I told her that a friend of mine is really into astrology, which is true. 
And I said she uh, spent months trying to get me to give to find out my birth time so she could do my star chart, which I didn't know. I had to like get from my mother. And my Japanese uh, teacher is like, ooh, can, can I give you my birth time? Like, will she do my star chart? And so I passed it along. And then at our most recent lesson, I provided her uh, her star chart, which ooh. she was very excited about. Yeah, so, that's, a, that's a service, you know. That's like is. you can get compensated for that shit. What I definitely don't do, just so everyone uh, is clear, is I don't ask her to, like, translate things for me. Like, here's this <laughs> Japanese wrestling thing. Will you translate it, please? <laughs> that, seems, that seems rude. I think so. I translation, do, like, translation work is, you know, uh, uh, difficult and should be compensated correctly. Of course. If I ever did, I would pay her for it. Okay. Uh, Matt Hardy and Private Party versus Matt Seidel and Top Flight. Uh, we're going to get an update from Miro and Chuck the Butler. And John Moxley is going to be in action. So uh, that's your show for January 20th. So uh, make sure that you're following us on Twitter. You get to see retweets like the Sheeta Tube video that only I watched, apparently. That's at Everything AEW. I'm at Aaron Like the Car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fuji Heya. Subscribe to the podcast. Give us a five-star rating and a review. Uh, and please support the show by going to patreon.com slash everything elite and subscribing and going to my bookie and using the promo code elite. That's it for Mike, for Nate. I'm Aaron. We'll see you next week.